Take your Bibles and turn to, if you would, Judges chapter 6 within God's Word this morning. Judges chapter 6 within God's Word this morning. If you need a sermon study guide, raise your hand. We do a fill-in-the-blank here. Your notes become my, my notes become your notes, I should say. And you can fill in the blank and follow along. I've always been fascinated by superheroes. Anybody, I mean, you followed the superheroes in the comic books or the movies when you were growing up, huh? Filippo, thank you so much, buddy. You're the best. Amen. Thank you so much. Uh, you know, I was so fascinated by the superheroes when I was growing up that one day when my parents left me at the house alone, look out when you leave your kid at the house alone, especially if he has an imagination. I just wanted to fly so bad. So bad, so bad, so bad, so bad. I wanted to fly. I wanted to be just like Superman. And for, for months, I had been looking at that patio umbrella on our patio, imagining myself flying over the backyard, flying over the Rouge River, flying over Heinz Park that we lived on in Livonia. And, and, and so mom and dad said, we're going to be gone all day. I said, oh, that's fine. God bless you. Go. No, I, I didn't say that. But they left, and the first thing I did, I got that patio umbrella out. I went to the top of the house, and I jumped off because I saw myself Maybe not with the, the red cape of Superman, but at least floating over Heinz Park. I imagined in my mind's eye all the people pointing up and saying, Look, it's a bird. No, it's a plane. No, it's Super Phil. And I was consumed with that thought. And so I took the patio umbrella. There was a good, strong wind out. I held it up and it was moving in the wind, and I stepped out and I jumped. I not only broke the umbrella, but I broke my keister too as I landed so hard. Mom and Dad came home, and they said, What happened to the umbrella? I said, Oh, Mom, Dad, the wind, it was so strong here. You enjoy the superheroes? We're, a, we're on a sermon series, a message series called Superheroes. Let's see how knowledgeable you are of the superheroes. We're going to give you a superhero test. This It's a holiday weekend. Huh? It's more informal. Here we go. Are we ready? Okay. What superhero is this? Help me out, tech boot. There we go. Who is this? Yeah, everybody knows the superhero. But who was Captain America before he was Captain America? Who said that? Way to go. Here he is. Steve Rogers. Weakling. Mr. Nobody. Okay, here's another test. Who's this superhero? I tell you, you folks know that better than you know the Bible. Who was Spider-Man? 
See what I mean? They know it better than they know the scriptures. Who was Spider-Man before he was Spider-Man? He was, nah, you need to qualify. You need to give, be adjectival. Be adjectival with Peter Parker. What was Peter Parker like? He's a wimp, a weakling, a nerd, science nerd, a nobody. Right, right. I hope you see the theme that runs through the superheroes. Hmm? For he who has eyes, they can see the theme that runs through the superheroes. Who's this guy? Superman! Superman! Right, right. I dreamed about him being Super Phil. Superman! And when he's not in costume, who is he? More than Clark Kent. If you remember the black and white TV series, and if you remember the 1970s Superman, my favorite, uh, he is mild-mannered, clumsy, naive Clark Kent, another Mr. Nobody. Nobody. In Judges chapter 6, you can take that picture off. In Judges chapter 6, Israel, as I set the stage, Israel had turned away from God. Israel was now worshiping idols instead of worshiping God. Israel was going in the wrong direction. If you and I go in the wrong direction, God loves us so much, he'll allow something to happen in our lives to get our attention. You can count on that. And so God allowed Israel's enemy to begin to attack the land of promise. The Bible says that the enemy was so ferocious that they did not leave one green thing within the land. They were like locusts, the Midianites that oppressed Israel for seven years. It was so bad that the people lived in caves, holes in the ground, the Bible says. They had to grow their crops in secret, in strange places. In Judges chapter 6, when we come to the man, that is our focus this morning in Judges chapter 6, he is threshing the wheat in a wine press, in a hole in the ground in order to eat, in order to survive. Read with me. In Judges chapter 6, verse 12, when the angel of the Lord appeared to who? Gideon. What did the angel say to him? What did the angel announce to him? The Lord is with you. And more than that, the angel of the Lord, what did he say? What did he say about Gideon? You're a mighty warrior. Did Gideon respond by saying, Praise God! I knew it! I believe it! I receive it! That settles it! Mighty warrior! I like that! Is that how Gideon responded? Look at the next verse. Stranger, if the Lord is with us, 
Why has all this happened to us? And where are all the miracles our ancestors have told us about, such as when God brought them out of Egypt, now the Lord has thrown us away and has let the Midianites completely ruin us. Wow, what a great confession of faith. Wow, do you see the God confidence that's just being exuded from Gideon? Of course, I'm saying that facetiously. I'm so glad that God is the God of a second chance. The God, God comes back and says, now what next to Gideon? Then the Lord turned to him and said, I will make you strong. Go and save Israel from the Midianites. I am sending you. But Gideon replied, sir, how can I save Israel? And now I want you to see how Gideon, what he thought about himself, how he saw himself. Sir, how can I save Israel? My family is the poorest, the whole tribe of Manasseh, and I am the least thought of in the entire family. Though God saw Gideon as a mighty warrior, as strong as his superhero, how did Gideon see himself? He saw himself as many of us see ourselves here this morning, as weaklings, as losers, as nobodies. This morning, God's placed a word upon my heart. As we continue our superhero series, this morning I share a word to you that I simply entitled, Mr. Nobody. Pray with me this morning. Father, in the name of Jesus, grant us ears to hear. And Holy Spirit, hearts to receive what the Spirit is saying to the church in this hour. In the name of Jesus, amen. Gideon's problem of 3,500 years ago is not only the number one inner pain of most, but poor self-image, mark it down, is Satan's weapon of choice in keeping us from God's best in our lives. Let me play psychologist here this morning. How you see and feel about yourself is your self-image. How you see and feel about yourself will be the best determinator for your success and happiness in life and the greatest determinator for your failure and depression in life. You know, it was a couple of weeks ago down here on Shaner Road by Lakeside Mall, they had the carnival out there. And every time I drove by it for lunch, uh, I would remember how my parents used to take me to the carnival. And the place that when we'd go to the Kmart parking lot carnival once a year, the amusement that I would run to over and over again was the House of Mirrors. The House of Mirrors. And since I had a slow growth spurt as a kid, the mirror that I would run up to the quickest was the mirror that made me so tall. I mean, so big, a giant of a man. I tell my brother and sister, look at me, look at me. I'm, I'm a giant. Now the mirror I run to is the mirror that makes me real skinny. Hallelujah. I could have a spiritual experience over that one. 
Hmm? Mirrors. Our self-image is largely formed from the mirrors we've grown up with. Psychologists call it the looking glass self. The looking glass self. How you see and feel about yourself is the way the significant others in your life, namely your parents, your siblings, your loved ones, your friends, they were the mirrors in your formative years. How you see and feel about yourself is the way the mirrors of your formative years reflected to you what those mirrors said about you and what you believed about yourself based on their reflection. What kind of mirrors did you grow up with? Did you grow up with the phantom father, the missing mom mirror? The parents who were never there for you. Their reflection said, you're not worth my time. I've got more important things to do. Did you grow up with the mirror that, that cursed your economic potential? The mirror that reflected, you'll never amount to anything. Did you grow up with the mirror that cursed your intellectual potential? You're so stupid, you dummy. You did it again, you jerk. Did you grow up with the mirror that cursed your physical appearance? Like the girl that years ago I counseled and her daddy had sat her down on his lap and he said, Honey, come on, admit it. You just can't make a peach out of a potato. What mirrors did you grow up with? Did you grow up with a perfectionistic parent who always said in your ear, I'll tell you if there's a wrong way to do it, you'll find it. Did you grow up with the playing favorites mirror? Why can't you be like your big sister? Why can't you be like your big brother? Or did you just grow up with the mirror that, that, that cursed your very existence? When mom and dad screamed at you, we wish we never had you. What mirrors did you grow up with? How do you see and feel about yourself? Talking about counseling, years ago I counseled a pastor's wife whose dad in the state of Maine dropped her off at a junkyard and as he drove away and she sat there crying with tears down her face, he said, honey, welcome home because this junkyard is now your new home. And then came back two hours later laughing. Ah, oh, it was just a joke. What did that joke communicate to his daughter? You're nothing but chunk. 
It's no wonder specialists in human behavior claim that poor self-image is problem number one. They claim it robs us of more accomplishment, more joy, and emotional mental health than any other factor. You show me someone with a lousy self-image, and I'll show you someone incapable of real love for their mate, real love for their family, and others. You show me someone with a poor self-image, someone that sees themselves as a nobody, and I'll show you somebody that's very difficult to get along with. People that are unhappy with themselves are unhappy with others. People that are critical of self are critical of others. But there's worse problems with this whole issue of poor self-image. Mark it down in your notes. Satan will use poor self-image to ruin our relationships, to ruin our potential, and keep us from God's best. God's best. What was God's best for that generation of Israelites under the leadership of Moses? What was God's best for that generation that he delivered from Egyptian bondage? What was God's plan, God's destiny, God's choice and his best for their lives? Can you tell me? Promised land living. And so it was that after the many miracles of God's provision, God's protection, they're standing right on the edge. They're standing right on the threshold, as many of you are of God's best, God's miracle, God's promise. They're standing right there at the doorstep, ready to possess the promise. They sent out 12 spies. Most of you remember the story. The majority came back with a negative report. 10 out of the 12 came back and said, oh yes, the land is prosperous. Oh yes, the land does flow with milk and honey, but the people are mighty there. They dwell in mighty cities. In fact, we saw giants in the land, and we were as though as grasshoppers in our own eyes. Their grand grasshopper mindset became contagious. Mark it down. You can read it there in Numbers chapter 13 and 14. Read it later. How the poor self-image, the grasshopper mentality of these ten spies infected two and a half million people. The grasshopper mindset so gripped Israel that Israel embraced a bug's life and lost out on the promise of God. And for 40 years they did laps around the wilderness because they chose to see themselves as nobodies instead of somebodies. Because if God be with us, who can be against us? They embraced a bug's life. They saw themselves as nobodies. And they missed out on their potential. They missed out on God's best. You see, the dream was ready. God was ready. But God's people saw themselves 
as nobodies and missed out on their destiny, missed out on all that God had dreamed for their destiny of victory, provision, and blessing. Parents, spouses, people of God, hear me in this. Your poor self-image will not only ruin your personal destiny, it's contagious. It will ruin those round about you. Reminds me, reminds me of the small town in the south. The small town in the south where a man was seen running down the, the middle of the street and he said, run for your lives, run for your lives. The dam has burst and the flood is coming. People began to run out of the barber shop, run out of the grocery store, the hardware store. Parents grabbed their children. People were screaming. The village was running for their lives. Finally, one man sat down, one citizen of that village sat down and said, this town has no dam. Fear is contagious. It's a contagion that is not of God. Poor self-image. Viewing yourself as a nobody does not come from above. It comes from below. The dream was ready. God was ready. But the people weren't because of their nobody mentality. Israel forgot who they were and whose they were. And I want to ask you this morning, what's happened to your dream? What's happened to your education dream? Your career dream? What's happened to your family, your marriage dream? What's happened to your dream to, to do and be all that God has had in mind for you to do and to be? Has your dream been derailed because of your nobody, grasshopper, bug's life mindset? Ultimately, the enemy of your soul will use low self-esteem to sever your relationship with the Almighty. How many of you look in a real mirror? How many of you look in a real mirror, and as you look at your appearance, as you look at where you're, you are in life, as you look at your, your inner person, uh, as you look in the mirror, do you say, Thanks a lot, God! When you start becoming critical of the design, you're just a step away from being critical of the designer. That's the danger of not seeing yourself as God sees you. A missionary told me a story a long time ago of when he was in India, in the bazaar, the shopping, the marketplace of India. And there he saw a merchant who was selling quails. Do you know what a quail is, you city people? Kind of a mini version of a pheasant. Quails. And they were all tied to a pole. Each had a string tied to their leg, tied to a pole. 
and this group of quails all day long walked in bondage to the pole. The missionary, when he saw this take place moment by moment, hour by hour, he, he had empathy for the quail. And, and for just a few dollars was able to buy the whole lot of quails. I'm getting dizzy just doing this. He bought the quails. The merchant in India untied the quails. And what did the quails do? Though they were untied, though they were released from bondage, though they were released from enslavement, you better call 911. Though they were released, they kept walking around in the circle. My point, just wearing the label Christian does not mean that you're walking in total freedom of poor self-image. Just because you're a member of this church, just because you come Sunday by Sunday, does not mean that you have been set free from this malady that afflicts so many, so many, so many poor souls. There's much more that you need. You need to believe and receive in, to walk in liberty, to walk in victory this morning. You see, real healing for our Mr. Nobody self-images only comes through an inner healing miracle of God's Spirit. Read with me in Judges chapter 6, verse 25. That night, the Lord told Gideon to hitch his father's best ox to the family altar of Baal and pull it down and cut down the wooden idol of the goddess, this was a pornographic idol, of the goddess Asherah that stood nearby. Replace it. Christian, hear me. Replace it with an altar for the Lord your God. Then sacrifice the ox. Don't you know in a time of famine, in a time of hunger and hardship, sacrificing the ox this was a mighty, mighty deed that, that God was requiring. Sacrifice the ox as a burnt offering to the Lord, using the wooden idol as wood for the fire on the altar. Burn it up. Gideon did as the Lord, what? Had commanded. There it is. Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. He did as the Lord had commanded. Verse 34. Verse 34 will come as you do verse 27. Then the Spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon, and he blew a trumpet as a call to arms. Hallelujah. The Spirit of the Lord came upon him and he became all that God had destined for him to be. He began to see himself as God saw him. A mighty warrior, strong, because the Spirit of God came upon him. 
The pathway to real living, the pathway to enjoying God's best for our lives. It's just like Gideon's. We need to tear down some idols that are in our lives, Christians. I'm talking to Christians right now. Tear down some idols and commit ourselves totally, absolutely, wholeheartedly. No halfway measure here. We're not talking lukewarmness. We're not talking about mediocre, mundane, miserable Christian living. I'm telling you about being sold out and radical for God and tear down the idols that have been erected in God's place. It might be, it might be, it might be the, the idol of the almighty buck. Sir, ma'am, young person, are you pursuing the almighty buck? Either knowingly or unknowingly. And somehow, somewhere, you think this is the answer for all of your happiness, for all of your life. Listen, money can buy you a palace, but it can't buy you a home filled with love. Money can buy the finest doctors, but it can't buy you health. Money can buy you a gold bed, but it can't buy you one moment of peace. Some of you this morning, and I might be speaking to young people, young adults, I might be speaking to a 90-year-old lady. Are you worshiping the idol of appearance? Are you consumed at how you appear to others? Let me give you, let me just do a little bunny trail here. You know why many of you, many of you cannot remember the names of the people you're introduced to? They tell you their names, and in 15 seconds you've lost their name. Huh? Why is it so many? Is it because of a senior moment? Is it because of some kind of form of amnesia that affects us, afflicts us? I'll tell you what it, the problem is. You're so focused on how you appear to that person you're meeting for the first time. Instead of being focused on them, you have forgotten their name, even though they clearly enunciate it to you. Are you worshiping at the idol of your appearance? Listen, there's always going to be somebody better looking than you. Newsflash, there's always going to be somebody younger than you. Newsflash, those magazine covers that you walk by in the checkout counter, you and I both know, both know. It's airbrushed. It, it, it is fiction. It's mythology. It's fancy. It's not real. That magazine cover is prettier and more beautiful and more handsome than the person they took a picture of. Capiche, are you with me in this? For those of you that live on Facebook, man, I set up one three years ago. and haven't been back since. If you've been wondering why I haven't responded, I just don't have the time. Some of you are plagued with a malady. You live on Facebook, and you look at the pictures of how some of the people, even in this church, how they live. And you create this whole fantasy in your mind. Oh, they're zillionaires. Oh, they have perfect happiness, perfect joy. Look at what their husband has done. Look at what their father has done. Why doesn't the husband, why doesn't the man of my life, why doesn't the woman of my life treat me like that? I'm trying to. Cut down, cut down, cut down the idol. Are you worshiping the idol of having it all? Having it all. Oh, you want prosperity. You want popularity. You want prestige. You want power. 
power and you want some pleasure, you know, in for good measure. Come on, talk to the celebrities. Talk to Elvis Presley. Talk to Whitney Houston. Talk to Michael Jackson. Talk to Amy Winehouse. Talk to Prince. We're talking about people that had it all and lost it all and died miserable, dissatisfied, empty. Cut down the idols and come back to a cross of Calvary. <laughs> And as he hung there, every drop of blood that was shed for you and shed for me, every drop of blood cried out, I love you. You are worth more than anything else. For what does it profit a man or a woman if they gain the whole world but lose their soul? Cut down the idols in your life. Come back to the cross of Calvary. What greater love hath mortal man than to lay down his life for his friends? Today at Shelby Township Hall, we will honor them to whom honor is due, our fallen heroes, because freedom isn't free. But there is a freedom that was won for us on Golgotha's hill. And he cried out to heaven, It is finished what is finished sin and sickness are finished hallelujah satan is finished they are a defeated foe and our savior is alive forevermore move into how he sees you move into what he says about you and watch the victory come what does a prophet a man if he loses his soul gain the world but lose his soul. And then let him, when you tear down the idols that have taken you away from first love, once those are removed and you begin to see the lover of your soul in a new light, let him fill you with his Holy Spirit like he did with Gideon. Let him fill you with spiritual authority, spiritual power. Let him fill you with spiritual insight and heal your blindness so that you can see yourself the way God sees you. The Bible says that Gideon went on in the fullness of the Holy Spirit and he took on how many of the enemy? 135,000 Midianites. How many soldiers that did God allow Gideon to go to battle with? Anybody know? 300. It was interesting. In Solid Rock Cafe, they couldn't figure out what that number was to save their lives. My, my, pray for Solid Rock Cafe. I got more numbers than you could shake a stick at. This, this, this service, you got it right on the target. 300. Because God didn't want man to get the glory. God wanted to receive all the glory. It was a miracle. Gideon and his 300 won a great victory for God and released Israel once again from bondage and into freedom. That's why Gideon's included as one of the superheroes of the faith. Hebrews 11 verse 32. And what more shall I say? I do not have time to tell about Gideon who through faith conquered kingdoms, gained what was promised, whose weakness was turned to strength. 
You don't have to defeat 135,000 to be God's superhero. You don't have to be a success in the world's eyes. Just be a success in God's eyes. Be faithful to what God has called you to. Be faithful to what God has placed within your hand. What has God placed in your arena of opportunity? What school do you go to? What classmates do you rub shoulders with? What job opportunity has God opened up for you? Who are you married to? Who do you parent? Who do you grandparent? What ministry do you have here in this church? Whatsoever you find in your hand, do it with all of your might. As unto the Lord and be a mighty warrior, be found faithful to him. Be found faithful to him. Be found faithful to him because there's coming a day unlike any other day when we shall appear at the judgment seat of Christ. And I don't know about you, when I appear, I don't want God to hold his head in shame and regret. I want to hear, well done, thou good and faithful, not successful, faithful servant, enter into the joy of the Lord. What opportunities has God placed in your arena, your sphere? Well, pastor, I'm just so tired. Pastor, you don't know my, my, my lack of abilities. Pastor, I, I, I just don't have that, that, that many opportunities. God's not looking for ability. He's looking for availability. Since when? Since when is this based upon your prowess? Since when is this based upon your intellectual or physical ability? Who is this based upon? The power of the Holy Spirit. But ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Spirit shall come upon you, and you will be witnesses unto me to the uttermost parts of the earth. Jesus said to his disciples, do not leave Jerusalem. Tarry ye in Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. When you think of the disciple of Paul by the name of Timothy, think of the adjective timid. Timothy had a fear problem, a fear of people problem. Timothy was timid. What did Paul, what was Paul's prescription for that fear problem? What was Paul's prescription for his poor self-image problem? Paul said to Timothy, stir up, <laughs> stir up, fan into flame the gift of God that's upon thee. And then in verse 7, Paul said, for God has not given us a spirit of fear. But what spirit has he given us? The Holy Spirit. The Spirit's anointing is an anointing of love power and a sound mind can you give praise and glory unto the Lord this morning be consumed with the fire of his spirit mark it down God turns nobodies into somebodies by healing healing this is a healing from the inside out healing their way of seeing the problem of poor self image is a focus problem For those that have a poor self-image, their focus is upon themselves. Their whole life direction is directed towards self. It's a problem of self-absorption. Gideon saw himself as a nobody. God 
Psalm as a somebody. Gideon saw himself as weak. God saw him as strong. God's, Gideon saw himself as a loser. God saw him as a champion. But when Gideon turned his life over to God, he began to see as God saw him. Michelangelo, Michelangelo uh, had a hammer and chisel and was chipping away at an ugly, ugly boulder. A passerby said, Michelangelo, why are you wasting your time on that disfigured, ugly piece of rock? And Michelangelo, that amazing artist, said, I am releasing a beautiful angel that is trapped within this rock. And he went on to craft the statue of this beautiful angel. God, like a master artist, does not focus on your actualities, but upon your potentialities. Remember when Jesus first met Peter? When Jesus first met Peter, Jesus said, Thou art Simon, but I say unto you, Thou art Petros, or Peter, who is a rock. At the moment, Peter was nothing but Sandy Simon. But Jesus, God doesn't focus on our actualities, but he focuses on what we can become in him. He focuses on our potentialities. Hear me in this sister. Hear me in this brother. My Bible and your Bible says, he who begun a good work in you shall complete it. We are God's masterpiece. You're a work in progress. He doesn't focus on your faults, your failings, your sins. He focuses on what he can be and do in and through your life. And my God, my God, the master artist, he's never failed. Uh, he creates, he fashions nothing but the beautiful, nothing but the amazing, nothing but the awesome. But, 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 pastor, back 10 years ago, but, 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 pastor, I, I committed a bad sin, but, pastor, my failings, my faults, stop. Stop in the name of Jesus. Stop focusing on yesterday's failures. Stop living in the rearview mirror of life. Stop focusing on that pit in your past that is so black and dark and failing. There's no pit of sin that is so great that his grace is not greater still. His love is not greater still. His mercies are unfailing and they are new every morning. There's two ways of seeing. Gideon reveals there's two ways of seeing. You can see yourself the way you see you, or you can see yourself the way God sees you. Christian, if you're seeing yourself as a failure, a nobody, in the name of Jesus, stop it. God knows you're not perfect. God knows that you still every now and then lapse into sin. I do not condone it. You are to be holy as he is holy, but he sees you in reality. He sees the life of his son Christ Jesus over you. If you are in Jesus and Jesus is in you, my God, your father looks down upon you and says, this is my child in whom I'm well pleased.
He doesn't see my faults or my failings. He sees my Jesus, his son, all over me. This is why you should stand upon the promise. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, this is how God sees you. This is how God sees me. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who's called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Move into how God sees you. Stop seeing yourself as a nobody and start seeing yourself as a somebody. Not because of your doing, because of the cross. Because the blood will never lose its power because of Jesus. God, write it down, turns nobodies into somebodies by healing their way of hearing. Healing their way of hearing. Healing their way of hearing. What are you listening to? What are you listening to? Your mind is like a marvelous computer. Garbage in, garbage out. You are what you eat. What you feed grows. What you starve dies. It reminds me of the dear old couple. The dear old married couple, she treated him miserably. She stopped cooking for him. She stopped going to the grocery store for him. She'd, preacher, you're meddling now. It was nothing but TV dinners. She denigrated him. She criticized him. She complained about him. His shoulders just became more and more stooped. He became sickly, so sickly, so deathly ill. He pleaded with her. Would you take me to the doctor? She took him to the doctor. They performed a barrage of diagnostic testing upon him from head to toe. The doctor called the wife into his office. He sent the man out to the waiting room. The doctor sat down with the wife, and he said, My dear, we gave your husband every test known to man. And I'm here to tell you that your husband physically is in perfect condition. There is nothing wrong with him. But what he needs is loads of tender, loving care from you. Some home-cooked meals, words of adoration. Some TLC, tender, loving care. You need to be his greatest cheerleader, and you'll see his whole life turn around. The wife went out of the waiting room, led him across the parking lot, 
put him in the passenger seat. She got behind the steering wheel. They drove away. They're going down the highway. He just couldn't help it any longer. He turned over to her and said, Honey, honey, what did the doctor say? She looked at him and said, You're going to die. You're going to die. <laughs> Sir, ma'am, young person, what are you listening to? What are you feeding upon? Or better yet, who are you listening to about you? Satan says you're ugly. My God says I knew you before you were in your mother's womb. You have been created in my image. You are special. Your body is the temple of my Holy Spirit. The enemy says you'll end up bankrupt. Poor, destitute, a washout. Our Heavenly Father says, I am Jehovah Jireh. And I am your provider. I will supply all of your needs through my riches and glory in Christ Jesus. I give thee the power to get wealth. I have destined you to be the head and not the tail. Satan says, you're weak. You're defeated. You're a loser. Our God says no weapon formed against you shall prosper. Though the enemy shall come in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord will raise up a standard against him. You are more than a conqueror through him that has loved you. You can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens you. Satan whispers in your ear, you're unloved. You're unworthy. He doesn't hear your prayers. You're forsaken and forgotten. Our God says, I so loved you. I didn't send you an idea. I didn't send you a philosophy. I didn't send you an angel. I sent you my only begotten son that if you would believe in him, you would not perish but have everlasting life with me. I will never forsake you. I will never forget you. Lo, I am with you always. Satan. Satan. Satan, he whispers, you're guilty, you're a sinner, you're lost. But our God, our Heavenly Father says, there is therefore no, no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. If anyone is in Christ Jesus, old things are passed away, all things become brand new. If anyone is in Christ Jesus, they are a brand new creation. Hallelujah! We are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Our past is forgiven. Our present is redeemed. Our future is secure. We're on a highway to heaven. We ain't what we used to be. We're not yet what we're going to be. But one day when we shall see him, we shall be made like him. Hallelujah! The best is yet to come. Amen! There it is! Lift up your head. Square your shoulders. Stop listening to the father of lies and start listening to the lover of your soul. Lastly, God turns nobodies into somebodies by healing their way of speaking. Speaking. 
I have chosen three things that you're never without. You've got eyes. You've got ears. Let me talk to you about the miracle that God wants to put in your mouth. The miracle that God wants to put in your mouth. Ephesians 6.17 And take the sword of the Spirit, which is the W-O-R-D of God. Is that God's printed word? His written word? Or his spoken word? Spoken word. It's a rhema word. It explains Hebrews 4.12. Hebrews 4.12 For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. Again, this is rhema in the Greek and not logos. It's when you speak God's word. It's not enough to believe God's word. It's not enough to receive God's word. you got to release God's word for there to be power in and through your life. God's healing for our poor self-images is maintained by his miracle in our mouths. Our confession of faith. It's confessing what God says about you. It's confessing who we are and what we are in Christ Jesus. It's taking your stand and declaring in an hour of darkness, in an hour of defeat, uh, in an hour of depression, it's taking your stand and declaring, I am chosen. I am adopted in the very family of God. I am an heir and a joint heir with Jesus Christ. I'm a servant of the Most High. I'm a child of God. I'm a saint. Uh, I'm not what uh, my past says I am. I'm not what the world says I am. I'm not what my sins say I am. I'm not what old Slewfoot the devil says I am. I am what God says I am. I'm a born-again, blood-bought, Bible-believing, demon-fighting soldier of the cross. Give him praise and glory this morning. Declare it. Proclaim it. Get up each morning and confess it and watch the difference in your life. I'm a Gideon. I'm God's champion. I used to be a nobody, but now I'm a somebody in Christ Jesus. Stand with me this morning. I'm going to let you stand and I'm going to sit down. This is service number three. And I still got to speak at Shelby Township Hall. And I feel in the back of my head I've got a keyboard that's back there. I don't. Ooh, ghosts in the room. Then I'd like to hear keyboard. Amen. Waiting, waiting, waiting. That's why we still have keyboard players. Amen. Beautiful. All four keyboard players this morning are gone this weekend. Amen. Thank the Lord for Lee Traxler, who usually plays the guitar, but this morning played the keyboard for us. Amen. Amen. I'm reminded of what a minister acquaintance told me. When he went to grad school years ago, he couldn't get over the fact, I'll wait till they all get in place so I can tell my story. 
Stay with me. When he went to grad school, to seminary, there was one boy on campus that was always smiling, never had a down day, always cheerful, always an encourager, always upbeat, always positive. Because of his upbeat, positive attitude, everybody liked him. He was like Mr. Popular on campus. Charlie. Oh, I know Charlie. Yeah, Charlie's the greatest. My minister acquaintance sat down with him one day in the library and said, Charlie, I, I, I just got to ask you. I just got to ask you. How is it you're always so cheerful, always so positive, always so upbeat? Charlie, if you don't mind me asking, the reason I'm probing is Charlie looked at him and said, Oh, you mean this big bright red birthmark all over my face? Yeah! The birthmark! How do you do it? Charlie smiled and said, My first day at school when I was a little boy, I came home in bitter tears because the kids so teased me, said I was ugly. They said that I was a mutant, a monster. And I came home in utter depression with crying to my parents and my daddy took me on his lap and said, Charlie, we saw and noticed your birthmark the first moment you were born. Lord spoke to me when I saw you come out of your mommy with the birthmark on your face the Lord spoke to me and said that you were going to be special that you were a man of destiny that God's mark was upon you that you were kissed by an angel Charlie told my friend he said you know my parents drilled that into me my whole life that I was special, that I had been kissed by an angel, that I was set apart for great things unto God. I was so excited about my birthmark, I felt sorry for kids that didn't have one. Honey, sir, ma'am, young person, you have been set apart for great things unto God. Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. You have been created in His image. You are not ordinary, but you're extraordinary because Jesus is being Jesus in you. Don't be like the quails. Even though they've been set free and you have been born again, don't be bogged down and enslaved. By the way, the enemy would like to see you see yourself. Choose to move into how God sees you. Choose to hear what God says about you. And whatever God says about you, make that your confession. Stop being a nobody and start seeing yourself as a somebody in Christ Jesus. Father, in the name of Jesus, I speak blessing. I speak empowerment. 
I speak the joy of the Lord, which is our strength, upon our dear Lakeside family. Lord, even right now, as heads are bowed and eyes are closed, for those that feel unworthy, for those that feel defeated, for those that feel like a nobody, even though they're born again, I ask for healing this morning. Healing this morning. Heads are bowed. Eyes are closed. I've asked this question in all the services this morning. You could be born again. You're on your way to heaven. But you, you have a problem seeing yourself the way God sees you. And this morning, you want it to stop. This morning, you want healing from the inside out. Heads are bowed. Eyes are closed. How many of you would lift up your hand and say, Pastor, I need a miracle. I need a miracle on the inside. I need inner healing this morning. Would you just lift up your hand this morning? God knows right where you're at. He knows the number of hairs upon your head. He already knows what you're thinking. Confess it to him right now. Lift that hand up high. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. 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 Lift it up high. Yes. God bless you. Yes. God bless you. Yes. 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 Some of those that are lifting their hands are the, the most beautiful people here in the church. The most handsome. The most talented. Those things do not exempt us from feelings of, of poor self-image. Keep that hand lifted up right now. I want to speak healing upon you in the name of Jesus. I, the Lord your God, am walking among you this morning. I know you better than you know yourself. And I am nigh unto thee. Only draw, draw near unto me, saith the Lord. I am here today to lift you up and to not let you down. I am here today to grant you new vision, to grant you new hearing, to grant you new feeling. I am the Lord thy God, and I shall not fail thee. I have sought you, and I have bought you. I have purchased you with the blood of my only begotten Son. You are worthy above all things. I have placed upon you value. You are special, created in my image, destined for high and mighty things. Stop looking behind thee. Stop looking before thee. Stop looking below thee. Stop looking to the right 
or the left and look up unto me, saith the Lord. I am your strength. I am your power. I am your confidence, saith the Lord. And I shall not let thee down. Precious Jesus. Precious Jesus. Precious Jesus. Father, in the name of Jesus, I ask that an infusion of your spirit from the top of the head, the soles of the feet, would come upon those that are reaching out to you right now. Take the spiritual blindness away and allow them to see themselves. Not as nobodies, but as somebodies in Christ Jesus. Perform spiritual surgery. Lord, I pray, wipe away the memory of what parents said about them or did to them. Wipe it away. Lord, put it under the blood. And Lord, as your spirit spoke, raise up a new God confidence within them. In the name of Jesus. Everyone, would you say this with me? I believe it. I receive it. I confess it. And I obey it. And that settles it. Now give him praise and glory this morning. He is worthy. He is worthy. He is worthy. He is worthy. Do you have a song for us this morning? You deserve the glory and, and the, the honor. Lord, we my hands. Lift up your hands this morning. And I bless your holy name. You, you deserve, deserve the glory of the honor. I lift my hands in worship. And I bless your holy name. You are great. You do miracles so great. There is no one else like you. There is no one else like you. You are great. You do miracles so great. There is no one else like you. There is no one else like you. Hallelujah. This morning, if you're not used to the gifts of the Holy Spirit in operation, and I usually, normally, like the gifts of the Holy Spirit to arise out of the congregation, and not be controlled by the pastors. But this morning, to share with you what happened, the Spirit of God came upon your pastor. And I know that I know that I know that the Lord did a real healing miracle work in those that were reaching out to Him. I gave what was called a public message in tongues which always needs to be accompanied by the sister gift of interpretation. 
to upbuild the church. It was a spoken word to those that especially were reaching out for inner healing. Let me speak blessing upon you. If these altars are open and our elders are available, especially if you're away from God, come down for spiritual counsel and prayer. They're available to you. Father, I ask and pray right now in the name of Jesus for our, your blessing and protection on this entire weekend, O oh God. I pray the grace of the Father and the love of the Son, Christ Jesus, and the sweet communion of His Holy Spirit upon one and all. In the name of Jesus, amen.